Hello and welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. And today I have such an informative podcast interview for you with a money management expert. And she is not just any money management expert. She specifically coaches female entrepreneurs so that they can educate themselves and feel empowered when it comes to specifically managing their variable income as a business owner so they can continue to feel in control, safe, and supported when it comes to their finances. We're actually going to get into the nitty gritty here in this podcast episode. In fact, you'll kind of hear Gina sort of giving me advice and coaching me on how I can uh, support myself with my money management as well. And I definitely had some really great takeaways on how I can simplify things in how I differentiate and move money around from my business account to my personal account. So we discuss topics in depth, like how do you actually save with a variable income? How do you actually calculate what you should be paying yourself? Because that's different to what is going into the business versus what you're actually receiving on a personal level. We're even going to talk about where do you start when it comes to investing? Should you be investing as an entrepreneur? Should you not be investing? We go into so many powerful details and there are going to be so many takeaways for you in this episode. I know that after this interview, I can't wait to dive into my finances and look at how I can even finesse the way that I manage my own money so that I feel even more empowered because we know that when you take action, when it comes to managing your finances and when it comes to spending time in your accounts and knowing how you're moving things around and how things are working in there, you are going to feel safer receiving larger amounts of money because you'll know what to do with it. So it has a knock-on effect on so many levels of your business and let's face it, your nervous system. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Gina Knox. Welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. As you know, we love diving into the topic of a money mindset and how we can up-level our money mindset as ambitious women. But I'm really excited for today's guest because we're going to bring it another layer deeper. We're going to be speaking to Gina Knox, who is a money coach who's going to support you in understanding what you can actually do when it comes to managing your money as a business owner, which is such a huge piece of the equation. So thank you, Gina, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. What I love is that you really specialize in helping women business owners understand how to manage their money. It's not just a broad money management thing. It's really niched down into exactly how we as entrepreneurs can manage our money. Because let's face it, there's no real education around this. And most entrepreneurs and most business owners didn't start their businesses because they were fantastic money managers. (laughs) They started it because they had a passion that they wanted to fulfill. So what brought you to this niche? Well, so many things, but I'll say, first of all, there's just such a huge gap in the money coaching space 
for specific money coaching for business owners on variable income. Uh, I think that like, I don't actually have a real statistic, but I walk around and I say like at least 90% of financial advice available on the internet, on in the world is really designed for and geared towards people with a biweekly paycheck, right? Yeah. It's geared towards employees. Because I would assume that I, I guess the majority of people are employees, although I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely the most financial advice is geared towards people with a steady biweekly paycheck. And I've just seen so many of my clients who are just trying to adapt that and make it work for them. But fundamentally, the way we manage money as a business is different than the way employees manage their money. Now, on top of there being a huge need for it, I have a very strong passion for finance in general and money coaching in general. But I also spent five years of my career as a design researcher at QuickBooks, which is a small business Mm. accounting software that most of us use. And in those five years, I interviewed over 400 small business owners, accountants, entrepreneurs, And I just saw firsthand how they were managing their money, what struggles they had. I got to see who was doing really well, who was doing poorly, what was happening. And um, when I started money coaching, I was like, "I, I just need to marry these two skills together. I already have a passion for finance and for coaching. And there's this big need that no one is really doing a good job of filling with specifically teaching entrepreneurs about cash flow management. And so I brought it all together and here we are four years later. I love that. I mean, you're so right. Even if you just look at tax season, like as a business owner, that that is not geared towards what I do. I feel like I'm always the complicated one that turns up to the meeting and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, here comes Helena. (laughs) I haven't found the right accountant yet, to be fair. I'm sure there is one out there. I'm positive. But every time I go to an accountant, I know more about my situation than they do. And I'm just like, forget it. I'm doing it by myself. (laughs) I know more because it is complicated. It is way more complicated. It is. And I'm curious, just because of the money mindset piece, did you wake up and feel really confident when it came to managing your money? Is that something that you feel came naturally to you? Or is that something that you've had to actively work on? I wouldn't say I've had to actively work on it. I do think there's a sense of just general aptitude there. And I think a big part of that is because of my father, who taught me a lot about money always had, from a child's perspective, at least a very clean money mindset. Like There wasn't scarcity in our household. He was also a high earner. And Mm -hmm. so I always felt like I had really well-modeled ways to manage money. He was also an employee. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, very traditional family. So I will say that like there was very strong models, role models in my life. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do remember graduating college I was making about $3,000 a month. My rent was about $1,500 a month. And I remember like, especially post-grad, racking up credit card debt, feeling like, oh my God, this is out of control. Just feeling like all of a sudden there was so much more responsibility than there ever had been. And I think that happens to so many new college grads and just trying to find my footing. And it took me probably a year or two years to really figure it out what it meant to manage my money on my own. But I will say I'm really blessed in that I never had strong aversions to it. And I think a lot of that had to do with my upbringing. So I think I got a leg up for sure. (laughs) 
But what, okay, firstly, good for you for using the leg up, like good for you for leaning into that because you're going to help so much, so many people as a result of that being the leg up that you received. And it's also so refreshing to hear somebody talk about growing up in a household where their money programming was super positive. Yeah. That's actually really, really rare. So I just want to applaud your parents. I hope too that like all my clients' kids get to say the same thing I'm saying right now. That's my dream. I always say I'm the trust fund baby My that your kids will be. I tell that to my clients. I'm not a full-on trust fund baby, but I have inherited money before. And like just generally the legacy of money in my family, I'm like, yeah, I'm the trust fund baby. Your kids will be. That's my deepest desire. <laughs> Amazing. I am so here for that. Like I say the same thing in terms of like, I'm here to help you with your money mindset. So the future generations to come just don't even understand what it's like to have a limited money mindset. <laughs> so we're on the same team with that. But let's bring it back to this yeah. individual entrepreneur who has started their business they're making, as I, I love the way you said, variable income instead of inconsistent, way more of a positive way yeah. of putting it. Where do they actually begin without it feeling overwhelming when it comes yes. to managing their finances? Money's coming into the business, but maybe they don't know how to separate their accounts or they don't know how to pay themselves and know what is left over for the business, or maybe it's the other way around. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk my favorite topic. (laughs) Um, I teach a three bank account system. And this is really geared towards entrepreneurs under 5 million a year. Over 5 million, we could talk a bit differently. But under 5 million, here's what I teach. Three bank accounts, a checking account, a working capital fund, which is just a fancy word for saying savings, and a tax savings being separate. Those three accounts are all you need. I know a lot of people have like a landing account and a profit account and an owner's pay account and a this account. And I'm like, it's too much for the size of your company if you're under 5 million. If you're over 5 million, like I said, we can talk a different game. What I recommend is, and first of all, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner and you don't have separate business bank accounts from your personal bank accounts, that's the prerequisite. Get that shit out. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. You're allowed to swear. <laughs> we need some separate bank accounts. So step number one, step number two, three of them. All the money, I want you to think about this like each bank account is a bucket and money is water. So every month, water is coming into your bank account, you're checking, and it's filling up that bucket. And sometimes we use some water, it pours out, right? We pay bills, we pay the credit card, whatever. But I want you to think about the checking account as a bucket and it's filling up. What we have to decide is what is full? When do we know that account is full? Because oftentimes what I'll see is entrepreneurs who have checking accounts that are bloated and they just keep growing. And then the entrepreneur is like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it's for. Like I, I can't move money to savings because like, what if I need it? It's just like this very amorphous amount of money. So we have to decide what's full. I recommend taking your highest automated expense and doubling it. So I have a automated expense that comes out of my business checking account. It's $1,000 a month. And I know that I could figure out what day of the month it happens. I'm sure I could. But like, I just don't want to ever really think about it. So what I do is I take the 1000 I double it, 2000 Now that's what I call my buffer. I'm going to leave $2,000 in my business checking account at any given moment so that I never overdraft. Mm. Then as water flows into my checking... Anytime it's over my buffer of 2000, I move the remainder to my working capital. 
So if I log in one day and it's $4,000 because a Stripe payout happened, I'm going to move $2,000 to my working capital, which again is just a fancy word for my savings. I was going to say, can you just define what a working capital actually is? Yeah. I actually personally haven't even heard that, that term before. It's a term. It's not even really a term I made up as much as as a term I co-opted. Um, working capital is just a savings account. The reason we call it working capital is because so many entrepreneurs, again, are using personal finance advice. And the personal finance advice is don't spend your savings. You need to keep your savings. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, fine, we're not calling it savings anymore. It's working capital. (laughs) Because the reality is, yes, in your personal finances, you may want to not spend your savings. In your business, we spend money to make money. We have to spend money. Why are we hoarding savings? It's a resource. Money is a resource in your business. And if you're just sitting on it, not doing anything with it, it's a waste of your resources. Right. So we renamed it Working Capital to help our clients get over the hump of spending their savings. So coming back, right? We fill up our bucket. Any of the overflow goes to working capital. If we need it, we use it. And then we just keep filling it up. At the end of the month, I fill up my tax savings. I do my calculations at the very end of the month and I move money from my working capital to my tax savings. I only do that once a month because it's like it's just overkill to do it more yeah, than once that. Once a month is enough. <laughs> once enough is more than enough. And I highly recommend it because then you're never going to be behind on saving for taxes. We could talk yeah. about that separately. Um, but really, I take this approach of this like cash flow waterfall where the money comes in, it flows over what it flows over. I use it when I need it. And I do not take the approach, nor do I recommend the approach of like cutting expenses. Again, we're business owners, we spend money to make money. If we cut like your expenses are probably already as lean as they could be. Mm-hmm. Like if we cut anymore, we might start cutting your income, which is just not great. Um, it's not how we should be thinking about saving. We should not be thinking about saving from an expense cutting perspective. And when you follow the cash flow waterfall, my clients, I mean, my clients have saved over $6 million using this method and it doesn't require a budget or a spreadsheet. You just follow the bank rules. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of my clients do also budget on top that's perfectly fine. Great. Now we're just adding another tool, right? And I always say like a budget could help you save more, but you don't need a budget to save. All you need is the bank accounts and the rules and then just keep following them. Okay. I have some questions if that's okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm like thinking about my own, even my own way of doing it. So where would a business credit card come into play with this? Because I put most of my expenses, if not all, I mean, business, obviously business expenses. I have a personal credit card. I have a business credit card. But almost all of my expenses on that reason being, I rack up points. (laughs) Like it benefits me. It works for me. I love doing that. So then obviously I pay that off fully Mm -hmm. every single month. So I'm not actually in any debt. I'm just using the credit to really build my points. If... I'm using this system. Do do I then need to know every month exactly what's on that credit card? It's almost always within the same no, range because then it would be coming out of the checking account. Like because no. you were saying you have that two thousand mm. dollars. If this is good, if your credit card payment is on auto pay, 
It is. Then we might want, this is good. (laughs) Then we're going to switch our advice. If your credit card payment is on, and I do the same thing, by the way, I use my credit card for every expense throughout the month. I just don't have it on auto pay. Ah, okay. Because I want to be the one to click the button. I want to be in control of the money movement, but no problem if it's working for you. What I would do then is instead of having your highest automated expense times two, I would have one month's business expenses as your buffer in your checking account. So let's say for me, one month's business expenses, and this sounds ridiculous. I I understand that this sounds ridiculous to maybe listeners or maybe I sound small, whatever. We're talking about money is about $25,000. So I would leave $25,000 in my checking account. And as the auto pay for the credit card goes, that should be enough to cover it unless I made a big... um, you know, one-time investment, which happens as well, which is also why I like to have mine on manual pay. Mm. Um, But the way I do it is I have my 2K buffer. I then just use my working capital to pay off the credit card at the end of the month. That's it. Okay. So what would then be the difference between those two if you're using that as the bucket and that as the working capital? The only reason for doing all of this is number one, to build the skill of moving money into savings and then using it, right? Like getting in the practice of moving money into savings. There's also something very, very gratifying and the little dopamine hits of when you're constantly moving money into your working capital because you're following the rules. It's almost like, what's the goal here? Is the goal to just continuously build up your savings? I don't think so. Now, do we want to have savings? Yes. I always want my clients to have lots of cash on hand and be very cash healthy. But again, it's like, where are we following the personal finance logic versus the the goal of always having cash and always paying for things? I don't know if that answered your question though. (laughs) Well, it's more, I think, the difference for people in understanding how to use both because my biggest expense is always that monthly credit card payment going out. I would also, I agree. I think it's, I think it's also great to be in your accounts and to Mm -hmm. be seeing where money's going. And so I think maybe what the difference is, is it seeing, okay, what's left over? Cause there's, there's going to be money or income left over that would be still in that account. Would I then move that into the working capital? Let's figure this out. (laughs) what is on average and you i would actually if you were my client i would say okay helena go back pull the last six months of credit card statements and tell me the statement balance over the last six months then what we would do is we would take an average of those because that's probably going to include some you know one-time expenses but one-time expenses in business there's always going to be another one-time expense right so we would take an average any hunch off the top what you think your average might be? Uh, let's say right now about 6K. 6K. Great. Now we have a number. Now, that's not your only expense in your business. You also pay yourself, I presume. Mm-hmm. We will get into that for everybody because we that's will. a piece that I think not everyone gets into. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would do is I would add your owner's pay. If you're open to sharing, you could share. Otherwise, I can just put a number. Let's put a number in there for now. Okay. <laughs> Let's say I'm going to guess, and I don't know, I don't know your finances at all. I'm going to say, okay, your owners pays 5K. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, 6K average credit card expense plus 5K owners pay. We have 11K, which is kind of like your monthly operating, assuming mm-hmm. nothing really else comes out of your debit card, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really. Yeah. yeah. So great. 11K. 
I would say, Helena, I would round it. I might round it down. I'm a little more risk tolerant. So I would round it probably down to 10K. You could also leave it at 11 and say, okay, from now on, you're going to have 11K in your checking account. Mm. Anytime you log in throughout the week and it's more than 11, move the extra over to your working capital. Ah, now this is making sense. Right. It's helpful when we use real numbers. (laughs) I'm glad we took it here. I think that was my question is like, what point would I then move it over? You would move it. And so what I call the 11K, that's your buffer. It's like, I always leave my buffer. Then what we would ask ourselves is what's your trigger number? So if 11K, if anything over 11 is what moves to working capital, what's the least amount of money that you can have in that account without the risk of overdrafting? Well, you just told me that 6K is your average credit card. So we would say, great, 11K, anything over 11, we move to working capital. Anything under six, we need to put some money back in the account. And that might be like, okay, let's look at Stripe. Do I have a payout coming tomorrow? If so, I'm just going to wait. Or if not, I'm going to move money from my working capital back to my checking to get it back to 11K. So I'm back in like, I'm not going to overdraft territory. Like the way I like to think about it is it's just an if this, then that statement. Mm. If checking is over 11K, move remainder to savings. If checking is under 6K, fund checking from savings. That's it. Mm. And then you just go through the world. <laughs> so that means, obviously, you know always that your business is operating, you have your business expenses and you're paying yourself. And is this really so that you can see how you're growing your profits or how you can be saving part of that to then spend on something? There's a couple things, right? So like, let's say that we're following this plan for you and you know, your buffer's 11K and I made up your owner's pay is 5K. And let's say that like in three months, you have like 50K in your working capital Mm. because you're just constantly overflowing and Mm. you're always hitting over your buffer and you're always funding your savings. Well, then I would say, Helena, it's time for a raise. Yeah. Why are we just... Like it, it helps you gauge what you're ready for. If you're constantly saving then I'm like, then you're not spending enough. (laughs) In the business. In the business or on yourself because you are an expense of your business. Mm. Not, I mean, like it depends on how your payroll is set up. I don't want to get into the technicalities of that, but I want you to think about like, if I'm saving so much money, what am I using? What's it there for? And that's a helpful gauge to know if I can pay myself more. But also if I'm, if I've gone like, five months in a row where I'm not putting anything into working capital, that's also a sign. It's not a problem because we all have variable income. We all have busy seasons and low seasons, not a problem, but it's like, okay, this is good information. What might I want to do about that? So it's kind of a way to kind of gauge what's going on in your business without having to dive into QuickBooks, without having to ask your accountant, without having to go into the spreadsheets. We just log in and we see, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Very simple. And then are you taking for tax season? Because I think this is something like this looming day that happens for (laughs) entrepreneurs. Do you take from working capital to put into the tax bucket? That's what I do at the end of the month. Yeah. So at the end of the month, I calculate my um, profit, right? So I take how much money came into the business. I subtract my deductible business expenses. I look at the profit 
And then I multiply my profit times 30%. I like to say 30% of profit because that's just what I do. I might have to up it next year. It depends on your tax bracket. Yeah. And then, so let's say, right, I have $10,000 of profit and I'm saving 30%. That's 3K. I would most likely take 3K out of my working capital and move it to my tax savings account and then leave it. So I do that once a month. And it's funny because like my business bank account says I have so much money, but I'm like, but most of it is for taxes. (laughs) Yeah. But is there a sense of just total ease and security? I mean, there's so much here energetically as well when it comes to your beliefs, because if you feel coming back to money mindset, if you feel organized with this, or you feel safe and secure doing this and going into bank accounts and knowing there's enough in there, knowing you have enough for tax season, I would argue that you're actually going to make more money. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're calm. Mm-hmm. 90% of what I coach on in my programs is money anxiety and how money anxiety is cutting you off at the knees because it's literally impacting your sales. Yeah. And which is also why like I really love having very simple cash flow tools and strategies for my clients. I don't want my clients to have to keep up a spreadsheet. I don't want them to have to spend so much time because the the simpler it is, the easier it is to do, the easier it is to stick with, the less we have to worry about money, the more money you can make. Absolutely. I mean, I just think about it like from a logistics perspective, I have maybe eight good hours in the day. If I'm spending three of those worrying about money, I'm literally wasting my resources. My resources being my most precious resource being my energy, my creativity, and my time. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you know where your money is being spent and when when you know how money is coming in, it's a much stronger foundation and launching pad to put your offers out there or create more or feel safe actually on a subconscious level receiving more because you know what you're doing with it. And it has a plan. It's following the waterfall. I know exactly where it'll go. Yeah. Which brings me back to paying yourself. I think that there's a lot of people And I've been there too, that are very confused about what this means when you're an entrepreneur and technically the money you're earning feels like it is your own, but you have a business account and your personal account and you don't know what to do with either. Yeah. First, can I just say, for the love of God and everything that is good, (laughs) please don't pay yourself a percentage of your sales. Mm. I can't stand that. The reason being, we have variable income, right? That's normal. It's very normal for us to have high cash months and low cash months. I operate, I don't know about you, but I operate on a launch-based kind of business model. So I launch five times a year Mm -hmm. and then there's non-launch months. And then there might be, like, I might have a double whammy where I'm like in a non-launch month and a high expense month. So I go into the negative, right? Like, There's so much variability in our cash flow that if I were to pay myself 50% of sales, there might be amazing months. And then there might be months where it's zero. And -hmm. I would say that there's probably a lot more months where it's like zero or near zero. And what I don't like is that we transfer the roller coaster of our inconsistent variable income in our business into our personal lives. What I recommend instead is to pick a dollar amount 
and it's a little bit of an art, a little bit of a science, pick a dollar amount that your business can sustain and pay yourself the same amount of money every month using the cash flow waterfall. When you are willing to use your savings in the months where, you know, your sales are down for any reason and you're willing to use that savings amount, you'll be able to continue to pay yourself the same amount. And also, like we talked about earlier, you'll also know when you're ready for a raise and you'll know that that raise is sustainable. It's not just like a one-time thing. Yeah. I was going to ask, because this is how I do it. I pick out well, I know the number that I need for my personal expenses. I just, I mean, that honestly, it's funny. Like when I think about it, that's almost less variable than my business. Absolutely. I mean, rent is rent. Yeah. I pay my mortgage, pay for groceries. Maybe I spend more on Christmas decorations during the holidays, (laughs) but you know, like it's, it's pretty much like if I have this number, I know that we're okay. Yeah. So would you would you do the same thing where you go in and you look at six months of personal expenses and you say, okay, this is the number I always need to pay myself. I like that. I call there's kind of two um owners pay, uh, I don't know what to call them, names, whatever. There's keeping the lights on wage mm. and there's a living wage. A lights on wage is like, okay. What yeah. what's the bare minimum here? What do we need to yeah. do to keep the lights on? What do you need to pay your rent, pay your utilities, pay your car payment, whatever? But we're not with a lights on wage. We're not building wealth in our investment portfolios. We're not, you know, contributing to retirement. We're not going on vacations. We're not buying anything extra. A lights on wage is a great first milestone. That's an exciting thing when your business can afford just to keep the lights on for you. Very exciting. I don't mean to downplay it. But we want to get you to a living wage, which is lights on plus, <laughs> plus mm-hmm. all the things that bring you joy, plus travel, plus material things that you like, whatever extra you want in your life. Um, but to your point, we kind of need to calculate what those numbers are. Then once we have those numbers, we also need to look at your business and see, well, how much profit have you been creating, right? What I notice is that a lot of business owners will wait there's something about the 100K mark. They're like, when I make yeah. 100K, then I'll pay myself. I'm like, yeah. that's arbitrary. Okay. Um, <laughs> and okay, this is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back up for a moment. I want you to think about your expenses in your business like a suitcase. Mm. We fill the space we allow ourselves to have. So if you're going on a vacation and you go, I'm just going to bring a carry on bag, then you're going to fill the carry on bag. But if you're like, I'm going on the same vacation, but I'm going to give myself two checked bags, you're going to fill that space, even if it's the same length of trip. The same happens in our money. If we're building our businesses and we do not carve out a portion for ourselves, even if it's small at the beginning, we're going to fill out that space with spending on other things in our business. You Mm. think, oh, when I hit 100K, I'll have enough profit to pay myself. But if you don't start paying yourself now, wherever now is for you, by the time you get to that income milestone, you're going to have spent all the money. (laughs) It's Mm. just kind of how we operate. We fill the space we give ourselves. So I think that my preferred method is when I get my entrepreneur clients early, ideal. And we start with any dollar amount. I'm like, I don't, I literally don't care what you pay yourself. Pay yourself a hundred dollars a month for all I care. What I care is that you start building the habit. Now, if you're further along in your business, which is 
very normal and we still haven't done this work, that's okay. We're just going to go back. We need to carve out some wiggle room for you. And I always say like, you are worthy of compensation. Yeah. Like your labor, your time, you are worthy of compensation. Even if that means cutting other things temporarily in your business, this is the one place where I am okay with cutting expenses because if you continue growing your business without compensating yourself, you're going to get resent. You're going to get resentful. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn out. It's not sustainable. So at a certain point, we have to start. And you'll push more money away. You will. You will because you'll be like, I'm doing all this work and I'm not benefiting for, from it personally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And would you do the same thing when it comes to paying yourself? You would take a portion of the money from the working capital. It's going towards you. You pay yourself. Now we're in the personal account. Mm-hmm. Where would, I think this is also a really big thing for entrepreneurs at most stage of businesses. Okay. Now what do I do when it comes to saving from me or when it comes to saving from my future, let alone investments or, yeah. you know, when you don't have a company paying into your 401k um, here in the U S what we have. What does that look like with making financial decisions based on that? Even if it is small in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I say the same thing. Let's first start by getting your savings muscle in place, right? Mm -hmm. So you may just do the same cash flow waterfall that you do in your business and your personal life. There's nothing stopping you. I do think it is important to learn the skill of saving as a core competency, because regardless of whatever your financial goal is, if you want to build out your retirement accounts, if you want to start investing, if you want to buy a home, if you want to pay off debt, all of those financial goals require that you know how to save. It's just kind of like where you're putting the money. So first, we're going to work on building up your personal savings as like a skill, then we're going to look at, okay, what what are your goals, right? What are your goals and what is the order in which we have to hit them through? And some goals are going to be forever goals and some goals are going to be temporary goals, meaning some goals are just going to be something that you're always funding. Some goals are going to be like, I'm trying to save for this $5,000 trip that's happening next year, right? Um, but we're going to prioritize and create a plan. And often, so I have... um I have a 12-month program that's a saving program for business owners. And then my mastermind is a wealth-building mastermind for your personal life. Kind of like Mm -hmm. they go together. Um, And one of the biggest things that we have to do in the mastermind is, okay, if we want to start prioritizing your personal goals, you're going to need to pay yourself more from your business. A lot Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs sacrifice personal goals for business, for reinvesting in their business, for, you know... It's mostly just reinvesting in your business. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, what season are we in right now? Are we in a, the business is getting reinvested into heavy and that's the main, main, main priority? Are we in a kind of a 50-50 mode where I'm going to get some, the business is going to get some? Or are we in a, your personal finances are getting all of it mode, right? We can move through those fluidly, um, but it's almost like a, what's the priority this year? And sometimes it's going to be me and sometimes it's going to be the business and sometimes it's going to be both. Is there anything that you would recommend has to always be a priority, no matter what? I think I, I'm going to harp on it, but I really do think saving needs to be a priority, especially in business, mm. because we spend money to make money, because our income is variable. Like if you're not, 
I, w- I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about my clients who do really good job saving, but they always feel like they're at zero in their bank account. But I know that actually they have the skill. And then I was thinking about my clients who always have money in their bank account. And I was like, what's the difference here? What's going on here? Besides like the rampant thought work that needs to be done. What's the difference here? And I was like, oh, the person who actually has the skill, but is always at zero, they're only saving for a reason versus always saving. Mm. So I save up for taxes and then it's done and then I spend it, but then I'm back to zero. And then I'm just going to kind of go along until there's another thing to save for versus entrepreneurs need to always be saving because there's always going to be a thing. And are you talking personally? I'm talking in the business for that. In, business. in okay. terms of personal, it I think it's a bit more flexible just given that everyone's at different places in their journey. And so like, I wouldn't even say you always need to be investing for retirement. That's I don't think that that's true. I think that you always should have a goal and we should be clear about it. I think you should always be intimate with your money, meaning not avoiding it, meaning looking at it. But is there any given task I think everyone should be doing at all times in their personal finances? Not that I can think of. So because we should always be saving in the business, would that mean that there's a separate bank account for savings in itself for the business? No, not necessarily. Um, So you would have your, your checking your working capital and your tax savings are all three separate accounts. I think they should be at the same bank so that the transfers are easy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have some clients who have like four different banks and I'm like, we're doing way too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, just those three accounts. For your personal finances, I recommend a checking and a savings. Um, it also depends if you're married and how you deal with your finances in your marriage. I don't think there's any right way to deal with your finances in uh, a partnership, but um at least checking in a savings. But yeah, I think other than that, that's five accounts. Yeah, for sure. And then when it comes to just I'm just quickly, because I know this is a whole separate topic, but when it does come to investments, um, maybe in the stock market or different avenues like that, is that something that you would always suggest a business owner is automating or has set up? Like where would somebody begin to feel like they have got some kind of placeholder in there or that they're making a difference to that. Absolutely. So this is a big topic. My entire mastermind is about this topic. No, it's good. It's good. Um, Have the skill of saving first Yeah. because we don't want to be starting investing in the stock market and then like, oops, ran out of money. And I don't like, ah, and then we're taking money out. Like we don't want to have false starts. So be solid in your saving skill in your business first um, have, you know, a good, a good barometer is like, okay, if you have two months business expenses, we're good. We got it good. Then when it comes to investing in the stock market, I, the way I think about it is this isn't another expense. A lot of people say, oh, like investing in the stock market is an expense I can't afford. It's not another expense. You're buying a revenue stream. Just like we invest in our businesses to increase our revenue. I'm going to invest in my wealth portfolio to increase my revenue. Yeah. And um, there's kind of two ways I think about doing that as an entrepreneur. I have an automated investment that goes every single month for a small dollar amount that I feel 
comfortable not having. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, oh, I, me too. it's like something I don't even ever think about. Me too. That yeah. is kind of always going. If for some reason I'm really in a cash crunch, I might turn that off, mm-hmm. but it's most likely than not just going to be always going. Then as an entrepreneur, I focus on lump sum investments. So when am I creating big lump sums in my business? I'll then give myself an owner's bonus and stick that in the market on top of my owner's pay, right? Um, And I I was talking to my mastermind clients about this the other day. I think it's kind of interesting to share. I think there's four wealth building seasons when it comes to the stock market and investments. Number one is a conservation season when you're like, okay, (laughs) cash flow is low, savings are low. Like we got, we got a tight ship right now. And that's when kind of stock market investments get turned off. Mm. Then we have a coasting season. Coasting is like, you're making enough money to pay for things, but you're not making really anything more. You're not making drastically less. You're just kind of like coasting along and breaking even. When we're in a coasting season, my automated investments are still just on. They're just kind of running. Then I have a contribution season. Mm. Contribution season is like, it's go time. And I give myself a 30-day like wealth milestone. I did this last September and I went, I want to get my brokerage account to 100K. Let's go. Everything Mm -hmm. extra is going to that. I'm hyper-focused, but only for 30 days. We can't, like, I think that it's very important to have a time period because otherwise we can easily burn out. Yes. If we just like go hard forever. So 30-day contribution season. And then we have consumption season. This is when you're like, I'm spendy. I want to buy things. Like whatever it is that you enjoy buying. I love jewelry. And I love clothing. She's pointing to her beautiful necklace that she's wearing. I'm like, this is my last spendy season spend. <laughs> it's my emerald necklace. I'm obsessed with it. Love it. Um, and I think that it's actually important that a consumption season happens after a contribution season. It's like a little reward because otherwise you're it's easy to get resentful and burn out, yeah. right? I also think that consumption seasons have to have a lump sum budget. Like I'm going to spend $10,000 and it can be delicious and big, but it has to be a, like a cap. Otherwise it can go on too long. And then we'll accidentally stick ourselves into a conservation season because we went a little too far. Um, So to that point, like depending on what season you're in, and you should always be in a season on purpose, depending on what season you're in, you're going to behave differently when it comes to investing for retirement or just your own portfolio. I do think it is important that entrepreneurs get there. And I will say one final thing. I think it's very important that entrepreneurs don't wait until they earn more money to start investing. Um And I use that in a general sense because that's the biggest thing I hear. I need to earn more money first. And I'm like, yeah, but you could say that forever. Yeah. Not to call out any of my clients. I love you all if you're listening to this. (laughs) I have my seven-figure clients who come to me and they're like, I thought earning seven figures would mean I would be wealthy. And I thought just by earning more, it would work. And now I'm tired and I still haven't built wealth. So now we're starting and we're like, okay, let's build wealth now. But they're like a little bit resentful of having worked so hard to build a seven-figure business. And then it's like, it's almost like it goes back to the suitcases. If you don't start from where you are now, you're not going to magically make it happen when you hit some random income milestone. 
For sure. And there's a mindset piece in that massive one. <laughs> like, Huge. Come in and be like, okay, let's like really look at what wealth means for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right. It can be an automation of $20 at the end of the month. Oh yeah. And it's still the act of doing it. And you're still committing to making that investment. And that can make that can make a big positive impact 10 years from now. So absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I'm a little bit worried that someone listening will think this doesn't apply to me because I'm so not new to my business or I'm not making the level of income or the numbers that you're discussing right here, Mm -hmm. right now. So what are just one or two really tangible things like beyond the waterfall season that someone can apply who isn't even making a consistent five to eight K in their business. Maybe yeah. they're just five K a month, but they can still apply really great money strategies for yeah. themselves to feel confident and to feel good about themselves and feel yeah. good about where their business is at. I will say the three bank accounts and the cash flow waterfall that we spoke about at the beginning, I started doing that when I was making less than two K a month. Mm, thank you for saying that though, because I really think people think it doesn't apply to them. No, it's not a dollar-based system. It's a percentage, or it's not really a percentage, but it's like a, ra- a ratio-based system that works at any income level. I tell my seven-figure clients to use the waterfall and I tell my clients who have made less than 10K that year to use the waterfall because the numbers are contextual to you. So I think that it's, yeah, it is important to say like, we started this at five figure a year business. I started paying myself when I was making 30K a year in my business. And I paid myself consistently. It was a very small dollar amount back then, but I'm so proud of myself for starting. And because I started with a 30K a year business, I have consistently given myself raises along the way. And I out earn some of my peers who are making way more money than me in revenue because I started so much earlier mm. in terms of like thinking about these financial systems. So I would say if you are listening and you're like, that doesn't apply to me, I would challenge you on that heavily. Mm. Now, is there a time and place for everything? Yes. Was there a time when I invested over a hundred percent of my revenue back into my business? Yeah. Like there was a year I made 28,000 and I probably invested 50. That's okay. Right. Mm. I'm, I have no shame about that. I have no regrets about that. So there were times when I wasn't um, hitting my big savings goals. There's times when I wasn't investing anything into the stock market, but um, I did that on a, on purpose. I didn't feel like, oh my God, like this is happening to me. I was very much there on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I would say like, it's okay if you can't save a lot right now. That doesn't mean you can't do the bank account system though. Okay. I have one last question because I know this is something you're also passionate about before I let you go. And that's even because of what you just said, like I heavily invested that year. I was, you know, when you're growing your business, you do have to pay for things and invest to make more money. Where does debt come into this and use using or even utilizing debt in your business? Ready? Debt is just a funding option that sometimes we'll choose to take. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's truly, that's it. And I know that like we could have a whole episode on debt. And the the main thing I coach on debt is money mindset. Mm. The thoughts about debt, the I'm bad, the shame, the regret. But really the way I look at it is debt is a tool in my arsenal of 
financial tools. Sometimes it's going to make sense to use it. Other times it's not. I just coached on this this afternoon with a client. I also think about debt, like the interest, like, oh, but Gina, I'm carrying a balance. So that's bad because now I'm paying interest. So I'm wasting money. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, interest is just a service fee for a service that you're utilizing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think like, I don't have shame for paying ClickUp. I don't have shame around paying Zoom because I use their services and it's just the cost of doing business. I don't, I don't walk around shaming myself for spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with Stripe fees every month. Right. Oh my gosh. It's just the cost of doing business. So why are we walking around shaming ourselves for using debt? Most entrepreneurs use debt at one point or the other across the life cycle of their business. It's just a financial tool. So there are strategies for how to pay off debt. There's how strategies for how to never get into debt. But my thought is like, I'm not trying to avoid getting into debt. I'm yeah. just trying to be in charge of the choice. Mm-hmm. And that requires, again, that I get intimate with my money, that I learn how to save, that I'm saving all the time. But there have been times in my business, I'm a great saver. There's still been times when I've had to lean on debt and I don't make it mean anything about me. So I'm able to earn more faster and pay it off faster versus if I went into a shame spiral, it would probably take me twice as long to pay it off. For sure. That the one energy feels very restrictive and the other energy feels very abundant. And we know which one we want to be operating from. Also, side note, there are interest-free credit cards. Yeah. Um, that There's so many you, funding options. Yeah. If, if you know how to manage it, then maybe that could be a really empowering option. Also, I love the way you just said it because it almost made me think of imagining that there's like a boardroom of investors that are saying, hey, I want to come and invest in your company. Yeah, I'm going to want a return on that investment. That's almost what... If you're making a decision based on... Yeah, it's not spending for a Chanel handbag. It's going like, hey, I'm going to spend this because this is going to really help my business. I've just done that in my business when it comes to marketing. I don't feel like I'm in debt. I feel like I actually expanded. And that's not to say go spend loads of money. Like I was very intentional about using this, even though I have savings. I'm like, it makes no sense for me to use savings for this. It makes far more sense for me to actually use a little leverage with debt and know that the business is going to grow as a result. Like really changing your mindset around that can be so empowering. I have a meeting with my banker to discuss a $25,000 loan I want to make a big investment next year. Mm. And like, right. It's like notice, and I've used credit cards too, but I just know, okay, for this investment, maybe a line of credit or a small business loan might be better. But again, it's like, if I really step into the position of the CEO, I'm here to make financial decisions on behalf of my company. And would a white man shame himself for this? No. No. I do think there's a fair dose of internalized misogyny, especially in the coaching space, because it is a female, it's a predominantly yeah. female space. And I think that it's not any of our own faults as much as society tells women to be conservative. So society tells women to save. I mean, hi, I'm the saving lady. <laughs> but society tells us to pay off debt. Society tells us that debt is bad. But again, coming back, it's like the same refrain. Where is that advice coming from? It's coming from a personal finance perspective. Mm, yeah. In our personal finances, sure. Let's not rack up credit card debt for no yeah. reason. Can we use it in an emergency? Absolutely. No shame needed there either. But 
it's different to your point to say, I'm going to go into credit card debt on purpose because I'm investing in my business versus I'm going to go into credit card debt to go to Bali. Yes. There's a difference here. There's a difference. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then we could have the whole conversation about, okay, so what is the best investment to make in your business? There is a science and an art to deciding how to pick your business investments. But if you're going in intentionally, the interest rate is just a service fee. That's it. I love this mindset shift because I talk about this, but I haven't talked about it like that. And there's a whole other caveat about women not asking for too much, but that's a different podcast episode. <laughs> Absolutely. So we should probably button it up and just have a, another podcast episode. There you go. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. <laughs> um, this has been so valuable for so many reasons. I think the tangibility and just the openness and the realness around this. And I, I just, I'm so grateful to you that you're doing what you're doing because I'm on a mission just like you to help women make more money and feel so empowered around money. And this aspect of it is so key and so integral when it comes to that. So thank you. Thank you. This has been so fun. I'll, I'll nerd out every day. Perfect. And we'll have you back. But before then, where can people go to learn more about you um, and connect with your business? Yeah. So the kind of hub of everything is you can go to my website, www.ginanox.co.com. And from there, you can find my Instagram at Gina Knox. You could join my email list. You could find my podcast. You could see all the pages of information. It's kind of like the main hub. So I would direct you there. Amazing. What's the name of the podcast? It's Save Six Figures with Gina Knox. Perfect. Amazing. They're already on a podcast platform, so they might as well go over and listen to it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today, Gina. Thank you. If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. (laughs) So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day.